have you ever thought that the role of the nurse will require us to create new positions and new jobs to advance health? Well, we're going to talk about that with today's guest, Dr. Serena Bumpus. Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Our guest today is Dr. Serena Bumpus, Director of Practice at the Texas Nurses Association. Serena, I am so excited to be talking to you today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And this has been an exciting week for us in nursing. Just a few days ago, we were literally off the heels, hot off the heels of the Future of Nursing 2030 report. What... What jumped out at you? You know, it it is a very exciting time. And I think we've all anxiously been awaiting this report. Um, It was delayed because of COVID. And I think rightfully so, because COVID has transformed a a lot of of, how we should and need to be looking at at healthcare. And, um, you know, the report itself is... 503 pages long, but I, I'm starting to just process and digest some of this. And I really honed in on um, just four of the 11 chapters that they have, which one was around the nursing workforce, um, how are we paying for equity, how we're going to educate nurses in the future, um, nurses leading change, and then nurse well-being. Um, I, I picked those because that's the foundation, in my opinion, of the all of this work that we have to do over the next decade. And, you know, when you, when you look at the workforce, it's with the largest healthcare care profession amongst all the professionals, um, we're, we're four times the size of the physician workforce. And as nurses, we have such a huge opportunity to, to lead our healthcare organizations in a different direction and to change the foundation of healthcare, if you will, our our infrastructure will crumble without the profession of nursing, and and so how do we rebuild it in a way that makes sense for the future and um, enhances the care that we're able to provide our patient while creating healthy work environments at the same time? So, do you think it's ambitious enough? I think it's extremely ambitious, actually. You know, when you when you look at the the whole focus is on social determinants of health and and health equity and how we are are caring for the most vulnerable populations. You know, COVID highlighted the the challenges that we have with health equity and and, and racism in healthcare. And I, you know, the fact that this report completely focuses on how nurses can can lead those um, the charge in in addressing the social determinants of health it's it is an extremely ambitious 
goal because we have to change how we do our work. We have to change the focus of, of nurses, not only caring for patients in hospitals, but we have to, to shift um, the focus to, to start training nurses on how to engage in our communities and inside public health, which is not what our education is, found, is, is um, focused on right now. Right. So how do we do that? How do we create this pivot? Because it seems like it's going to have to start way back when baby nurses are in the pipeline learning to become nurses. It is. And, you know, that is exactly, uh, there's a whole chapter in that report on how we have to educate nurses for the future, what our competencies need to look like. And, you know, it's going to require our educational institutions to get very creative in, in, in where they place nurses for clinical experiences and, and how they're even able to have the tough conversations around racism and social justice. Um, because, you know, everyone has their, their own opinions and some don't even recognize their own implicit biases, right? And so how do we right. educate you know, educating nurses on even being able to recognize their own implicit biases and so they can engage appropriately um, in their communities is going to be such a critical shift for us um, as we start to think about how we're going to educate nurses for the future. Well, and it feels like we even have an opportunity to change the way we recruit nursing students right? Our nurses should resemble the communities that they serve. And it even feels like there's a pretty big opportunity there. there there's a huge opportunity there. And I think that it requires us to really think about the, the diversity and, and inclusion within the, the healthcare or within the recruitment process for nurses, because the, the nurses that are, that are going into these vulnerable environments, you know, they need to look like the people that they're caring for, right? And so how do we ensure that we have nurses who, who have diverse backgrounds and in, in, in have maybe even grown up in, in those areas or have experience in just being around people who have, have been in those most vulnerable environments? Because if, if we don't, it's really hard to, to relate to, to patients. It's hard to create trust. Um, you know, I, I talked with a, a friend, a, a colleague of mine who is, um, she's, she's a person of color. She's, she's a black woman. She's a nurse. And we were talking about the vaccine and, and she has opted not to um, get the vaccine right now. And a lot of it has to do with, with the trust and the mistrust that has been created amongst the black community within healthcare. And, and so when we think about how we have to educate the, the future of nursing and how we need people with diverse opinions and experiences, you know, that was really an aha moment for me when I had that conversation with her because I, I, could, I couldn't relate. It, because I, I I have never had those experiences, and and it, it wasn't my own implicit bias that I had to come to terms with in that situation, and um and really understand her perspective and where she was coming from. So it's it's those it's those difficult conversations that we have to learn how to have with each other with our patients, and um 
going forward in the future. So, Well, and absolutely. And I think we are going to have to do a tremendous amount of work, all of us, yes. on things like implicit bias and truly understanding inequity, right? Almost mm -hmm. empathy mapping these things, because so many of us have been privileged and don't understand that. It feels as though in order for us to truly create the, uh, the diversity in the workforce of not only nursing, but probably many of the healthcare professions, we need to really back that up to almost the middle school, elementary school point in which we begin to ensure that students are stronger with their STEM skills and understand what these healthcare professions are and how we can begin to get them interested much younger in this process so that we're not at the last minute trying to pull out the best and brightest high school juniors and seniors when perhaps that isn't going to represent the diversity that we need to pull in. I agree 100%. It's, it does start at a, a very young age. And, you know, I have two 16-year-old girls at home and one wants to go into the medical field and, and the other is, is, is more of, of an, an artsy kid who wants to move into graphic design. But I, um, you know, in my own conversations with, with my kids, what I have found is, you know, we have a very unique opportunity with, um, with the Gen Z generation because this is a, a very politically active group it's a, they're very, they're all about social justice and, and wanting to ensure that there's equality. And so how do we, how do we pull that, that generation in to be interested in healthcare and to, um, and to help us move towards that culture shift that we need? It almost feels to me like there's an opportunity for us to create new professions there with these kids that are just so really amazing and into social justice. Those are exactly the kids we need in healthcare. And it doesn't mean they have to be a clinician, but it feels like there's new roles waiting there that we haven't quite identified. Those are exactly the people that we want developing advocacy pipelines and doing community outreach and population health. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think, how do we, you know, you can look at nursing, but then you look at the role of a social worker, you look at the role of a case manager, physicians, navigators, it's community health workers for that matter. I mean, they, they all play a role in this, but then there's another, there's other unique roles that we have to create to be able to tackle health equity in, in social determinants of health, because it's, it can't just be up to, to one discipline. We have to have some cross collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys do a lot of great work at the Texas Nurses Association on policy. What are the themes that are um, kind of heavy on your mind right now or, or in the top of the queue from a priority perspective? Um, you know, that's a great question. And some of the big areas of, of focus for us, especially, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up the legislative session in Texas and um, Workplace violence has has continued to be uh, a big area of, of concern for us, as well as, you know, I think the, the pandemic has highlighted the need to focus on the well-being of nurses and, and how organizations um, take a proactive approach to supporting the well-being of nurses. 
um, you know, it's, we, we've preached a lot of, across the profession about, you know, nurses taking responsibility for their own self-care and, you know, f- being grateful and finding gratitude in what they do and, and that sort of thing. But there's also a responsibility on the employer side as well to create those healthy work environments to, um, to, to take a proactive approach to ensure that nurses are feeling supported and have the resources that they need to do their jobs effectively, because ultimately that is a, a major contributor to, to burnout. And, um, and I think that COVID has, has highlighted that greatly. So um, there's a lot of work that we're engaging um, members of the Texas Nurses Association on and, and how we can help organizations provide the um, a psychologically safe place for nurses to um, to work because there there is a stigma in our profession um, around mental health and we have to we have to address that stigma or, or we're not going to get very far well and I think you nailed it right I mean it's mental health issues are here they um we have exposed it for what it is it's tough it's sticky it's scary but we have to tackle this and it can't be the initiative of the month this is something that is going to be with us uh probably forever right it's not going to go away and it's for a variety of reasons so i think you actually nailed it when you said covid shine the light on it because i i think that that's really true so it feels like the opportunity that we have is how to provide the support on a consistent basis that nurses and other, uh, not only healthcare professionals are going to need, right? What does that look like for them? And that might be everything from having EAP on site for those that want it, EAP that's accessed virtually, that those that want that might be something like uh, these relaxation rooms that are becoming very much in vogue and very important to people that need to go get away for a few minutes of peace and quiet and mindfulness. I think it's going to be an and, not an or in this conversation, and it isn't going to be cheap. So organizations that are looking to spend just a little bit of money on it until it goes away, that's a fail. That's that's not how this is going to work. So I applaud you guys for the work that you're doing because this is here to stay. Absolutely. And, you know, I would even take that a step further. You know, EAP, yes, is a, a resource that nurses need. Relaxation rooms, 100%. But when I say it needs to go a step further is we have to look at the workflow of a nurse. We have to look at what they're required to document in an electronic healthcare record. What is staffing and what are the staffing resources that are available inside the healthcare organization? Um, it, you know, what are the things that bog a nurse down every single day that re- that causes them to to be overly stressed and uh, to so now to you're touching the third to rail of nursing and that is staffing <laughs> and you were a nurse leader and you know this yes and we absolutely have to change the way that we staff. Oh, if, if I could accomplish one thing 
before I die. Because I don't know. know, Once a nurse, always a nurse. Like we die as a nurse. We, and we never stop being a nurse regardless of whether or not we're in it or not. But if I, if there's one thing I accomplish before I die is to get rid of hours per patient day and to create a model of, of care and a, a, a payment model that shows the value of nursing and the care that they provide so we can actually care for patients according to their needs. Absolutely. Amen, and, sister. And, you know, because I'm still not convinced that the, the, the mandated ratio is the right way to go. I definitely know hours per patient day is not the way to go, but we, we haven't as a profession, figured out what that looks like. And Absolutely. Well, and hey, I'll <laughs> tell you, I'm one of those outliers. I'm not interested in talking about the R word, the ratio. Let's, as nurses, use technology and design how we deliver care in a tech-enabled environment, right? We're already yes. a million plus short. We're never going to make this up. We're just not. We have retirements and attrition happening at a faster rate than ever. We're not going to backfill this. So instead of chasing our tail, we have to redesign the roles and what nurses do. And we fought long and hard to be able to start IVs and to be able to draw blood and give baths because we could do a skin assessment. I think it's great, but I think it's a different time now. So we have the opportunity to use technology and this is where people throw the darts at me, but I see the, I see nurses moving to the top of their license and utilizing several more unlicensed personnel or LVNs who are fantastic. Let's change the way we, we staff, the way we provide care, go back to team-based models. Maybe a registered nurse can have 10 or 15 or 20 patients and they have a team that supports them with technology that works, it's not sitting broken in the back hallway with different devices that actually feed ongoing dynamic real-time data for people to make decisions. So that's yes. what we should be doing, but instead we dig our feet in and talk about ratios. <laughs> yes, it's, we, there are more creative alternatives than just putting a number to staffing. And we, we, we've got to take the time inside our healthcare organizations and, and we need people to take the lead on, on figuring this out. And it's, it's like, gosh, we could just do a hackathon <laughs> on, on, do, on, on this work right here and, and bringing people in to, to figure out what that technology looks like, what it needs to measure and, and how, how we can tackle it because it's, it's needed now more than ever. Our acuity in our hospitals and our even in, not outside of our hospitals is rising and the care that's required um, for our aging population is, is just incredible. <laughs> and Absolutely. we've got to, we've got to figure out a different way to do our work and to staff our organizations. So what is something that you see coming down the road or in the future that we really need to be thinking about now? You know, if I, if, as I start to look at and digest um, some of the, the, the things in this report, and as we think about, you know, going back to tackling social determinants of health and health equity, that is going to require us to, um, to think about 
the role of the nurse in, 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 you know, even creating new positions for nurses to, to be in inside our health systems and our communities, because one entity is not going to be able to do this on their own. And you can't use a nurse in the same way that we're using them today. And you're going to have to add members to the team. You're going to have to in- increase the number of people that we have potentially to even be able to accomplish this work. And, you know, that this is at first, like, top of mind. Um, but it's, it's going to take a lot of a lot of creativity and a lot of time to really figure out how we're going to do this. Uh, I'm excited to, to see what, what we come up with as a profession and how we evolve our care um, as a result of this report because it's timely, it's needed, and um, there's no better group of people than nurses to lead the charge. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation, Serena, and this is probably a good place for us to put a pin in it for today. I want to thank you again for taking the time to be with us on Healthcare Soothsayer Podcast. Well, again, I thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to be here, and um, there's it's an exciting time to be a nurse, and we, uh, I'm just looking forward to what the future holds for us and for healthcare. Excellent. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Serena's contact information and to learn more about her work. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.